Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. You know you don't need to stick your nose in other people's business. You'll poke an eye out. Lewis, <laughs> oh, sorry, it was, uh, it was funny. I mean, your nose is pretty pointy. She looked at me and wrote something in it, and it creeped me out. So I told her if she loved me so much, here's a keepsake. And you stuck gum in her hair. Yeah, her big stupid hair with bangs. We're not talking about haircuts, unless we want to discuss whatever that rat's nest is that you've got going on there. He's a what? He's a wizard. He can conjure things and cast spells and change into animals. <laughs> What are you, a baby? The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Alrighty, so uh, welcome to another episode of The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Welcome, everyone. My name is Omar Ramos, along with my co-host, Veronica Avila. Veronica, great to see you again. Great to see you too, Omar. Now, we've got a hot topic today, and I'm sure that more than one parent or person listening will be able to relate to. And that's called How to Stop a Bully. Now, I'm sure that we're going to learn the psychology behind it and also how to help our kids deal with it at school and also outside with their peers. But before before we, we do that, let's welcome our resident expert, like always, Dr. Alicia Laos. She is a clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and also co-author of The Struggle is Real. Welcome, doctor. So happy to be here. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move forward here and joining us also via the phone, Brooke Skibbs, an award-winning uh, social media skills educator who teaches uh, strategies for conflict resolution with a special emphasis on emotional resilience and the golden rule. How are you, Brooks? Great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Wow. You must stay busy. Brooks. Yes, I'm on the road a city a week, Wow, uh, but it's fun. We've seen your videos and they seem pretty fun. I mean, it looks like you are, you're having fun, but the kids are also having fun. And I don't know about you. I have a 13-year-old and sometimes it's hard to create that fun ambience. How do you do that? How do you work so well with the teens? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you guys know whenever you introduce an improvisational game where people get to act, especially if they can kind of make fun of you, there's... All humor is insulting, and so people are laughing when they when I invite them on stage to improvisationally insult me. And I show them basically two ways that we could try to stop it. The first way is by getting upset and getting angry, but that only perpetuates the uh, insult. And then the second way is by leveraging the golden rule, not getting upset, treating them like a friend, and it dissolves it. So it's very demonstrative. That's, I think, what makes my presentation so vibrant. Yes, definitely. And we're going to go into those two principles that you just mentioned a little later on in the podcast. But first, I have a question for everybody. Mm. Were you ever bullied? Yes, I was. Really? I was bullied. I'm not sure it was because I looked tiny and petite and everybody thought they could just take advantage of me. Because I was. I was I was small, I was skinny, I had big ears, and I was a perfect target for anybody that wanted to be a bully. Let's go bully Omar. And it was it was very unfortunate because it really brought down my self-esteem. I thought like nobody liked me. And I already had the pressure of, you know, growing up on a farm where we were never invited anywhere because we were always that we were considered dusty people because we were working out in the fields, harvesting everybody's crops and all that good stuff. And and it yeah, it was difficult, but I don't know. I just became an easy target for everybody because if one person bullied me, mm. anybody else that was having a bad mm-hmm. day that was physically maybe bigger than I was, or like, hey, you know what? Let's go take it. Let's let's use Omar for a punching bag. So yeah, I did experience that at a very young age. And uh, my daughter, she kind of went through something, but we put that fire out ASAP. 
Wow. Don't look at me like that, guys. Good no, for you. I'm for standing up to your daughter. <laughs> yes. You guys are looking at me like, oh. Well, because how can we do it? Make it better for you. But did you deal with it? Did your parents you, help you deal with it? You know what? It, my or? parents didn't know how to deal with it. They were just kind of, my dad was like, man up, man up. My mom was just kind of like, what did you do to make them mad? And I was like, what's my fault now? So it felt like I didn't have support from anywhere, you know? So sometimes when I was at I remember this, my goodness. I remember being at school hoping for the last period to show up so I could just run home. And, wow. and yeah, and, and I would hide out in the trees because I was just thinking that somebody would see me walking home and they'd catch up to me and, and want to start a fight. And the thing is that I've always been a very noble kid, very respectful kid, and I would never want to start a fight with anybody because I was just brought up that way, you know? But, uh, yeah, I went through that. And we're talking about, what, the uh, the early part of the 90s when mm-hmm. this was happening and, and school fights after school were so common. They still are, right? They still happen, but uh, it would happen a lot. So um, I just wish I would have had a better support system to deal with that back then, because I think there was this part of my life that I just missed out on, because I was just living in fear and living that nobody liked me. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they were just picking on me, and I was like, God, was I born for this? Mm-hmm. So my life could have taken a different pattern. I could have maybe gone into, you know, maybe the gangs where you're socially mm-hmm. accepted by them because they're always recruiting people that have low self-esteems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By the mercy of God, I didn't go down that route, but I learned from it now. And, and, I, and as a, an adult, mm-hmm. I carried a lot of that for such a long time, you know, like this hate and this, I was just mad at those people that I grew up with. I was like, I was like the nicest person to you guys, but however, you guys paid me back by being mean and, and slapping my lunch out of my hands in front of people just to want to start a, f- a fight or just look like you were the tough kid at school. So for those kids that are out there, mm-hmm. maybe listening right now, I've been in your shoes before and I know what it's like and just push through would be my advice. Wow. For the parents listening, uh, hopefully our generation can be the more of a proactive uh, parent that can learn ways on how to help kids deal with, with the bullying and then step in when we, when we need to. Right, doctor? Yeah. And I think, you know, Omar's story is just such a good picture of what these experiences and how they mark us and how they impact us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how we are able to, when we're able to release them eventually and forgive in the future, it's it's a very powerful experience. But sometimes we may undermine as a parent what those experiences mean for our children. And obviously different children have different resilience and are able to push forward and make choices. Mm-hmm. But how important it is for us parents to be there for our kids and be able to sort those feelings out and navigate that with them and help them push forward. Yeah, you know, and grow. Yeah, fortunately for me, I I had dogs that became my friends, and they mm-hmm. became my support system because I would I would actually cry to them and tell them what I was going through, and they would just pat and look at me like, "We still love you, dude." Aww. So that was like my therapy. So yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I talked a little bit too much about that, but that was a true story. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're going to share a couple of quick facts before we start our discussion. And this is coming from DoSomething.com. It's an anti-bullying campaign. Listen to this. Over 3.2 million students are victims of bullying each year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, approximately 160,000 teens skip school every day because of bullying. That, wow. was, that was me back in the day. Wow. That was wow. me. <laughs> that totally makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. And 17% of American students report being bullied two to three times a month in a school semester. 
And that's emotional abuse. That's yeah. uh, well, different kind of bullying. We're going to talk about that. You know, and, and, and another thing I just want to add, it just doesn't happen like in elementary and junior high and high school. It happens in college as well. Oh, oh it, it, it happens at work, of course. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah, you know, great point, doctor. Uh-huh. That's for another podcast, right? Uh, Being no. bullied at work. But I guess I guess we could all kind of rope it in, right? So um, we're going to go ahead and kick off our first skit. This is called The Bully's Friend. So, you've got my back. For the last time, yes, I have your back. Okay, because I'm not so good in these kinds of situations. Like, I freeze up. Let's run the scenario one more time. What's up, Needle Nose? Just, uh, just needling. See, that's it. You just need to act like it doesn't bother you, and then he'll stop doing it. He's only doing it to get a rise out of you. Yeah, but you can't laugh, because if you laugh, then he also thinks it's funny, which makes him keep doing it. I mean, your nose is kind of needle-like. I told you, dude. It's because I'm Scotch-Irish. Right, right. (laughs) He just says it's so funny. Okay. Here he comes. You got my back. Always. Louise the 15th. What's up? (laughs) Nothing, Mark. What's up with you? This system's transfer is really breaking my back, you know? Yeah, totally. When's the system going to be up and running? Hey, (laughs) you know you don't need to stick your nose in other people's business. You'll poke an eye out. (laughs) Lewis, oh, sorry, it was, uh, it was funny. I mean, your nose is pretty pointy. <sighs> Not you too, man. I told you it's because I'm Scotch Irish. Well, Irish, your nose was around when I needed to pop a balloon the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> sorry. Listen, if you can't take the heat needle nose, get out of the sewing circle. Later, fellas. That's <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, come on, man. You just played right into his hands. Oh, sorry, Ed. I, I froze up. I wish you'd froze up. You joined in on the joke. You laughed at me, too. But I guess it's easier being the bully's friend. No, I'm your friend. Some friend. I forgot my pen. Hey, Lewis, better be careful around Ed. You might poke your eye out. <laughs> come on, Lewis. That was a good one. You already made that joke, Mark. There's nothing wrong with a classic. Yeah, there's a difference between classic and played out. Yeah, can you cut it out with that joke, man? What are you, a baby? You can't take a little joke? Isn't it enough for me to just ask? He asked nicely, Mark. Is it so hard to be nice in return? Smell you later, needle nose. Hey, if you keep making that joke, I'm going to let Sandra know that you're stealing toilet paper. You wouldn't (laughs) dare. Yeah, I would dare. That was genius! Look at him walk away! Dude, I, honestly, man, I, I couldn't have done it without you having my back. Anytime, man. Thanks, man. All right, thank you, sir. We're back. Wow. That kind of resonated mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> that was bullying in the office, ladies and gents. We heard Ed and Lewis getting ready to stand up to Mark, who's a bully to Ed. But Lewis got into the mix by laughing and then at the end was able to redeem himself and stand up for his pal. Why do adults recur to bullying, Dr. Alicia? I mean, what's the dynamic behind that? Well, I think, you know, for a long time, sarcasm perhaps might be something that's accepted in our society. Mm -hmm. You know, being cynical, being funny, that's something that's glorified. And a lot of people in their personality will just habituate towards that. And they actually get a lot of attention from it. And you get a bunch of people getting around and it's funny and you Mm -hmm. get that attention for it. And so you keep that style and then you don't have empathy for the other. You're not really thinking about what you're doing to another. You're just thinking about how you're getting attention to yourself. 
and the positive attention that you're getting from getting a kick out of it and getting others to chime in Mm -hmm. just reinforces that time and time again. And so I think it's a little bit of personality, a little bit of attention-seeking kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. And third, just lack of learning or lack of being practicing empathy for others and understanding what your words mean to another and the impact that they have. So you're saying that sarcasm and being cynical towards someone is a form of bullying someone? Sometimes if you're not, you know, if you take it to the 10th degree mm. and, um, and you don't have a self-check on it, I get it from time to time. It's it's okay. But I've seen it played out uh, mm-hmm. between husband and, and spouse where in front of social gatherings, the one spouse who's sarcastic will do that over and over again. And then mm-hmm. that really hurts the feelings of the other mm-hmm. spouse. I've oh, yeah. seen it in work-related situations where, again, it becomes such a habit that then the line gets very gray when it's crossed. And if you're not open to feedback when someone catches you and creates boundaries and you go, oh, you're taking it too seriously, you know, get over it. You're not really recognizing that you're hurting the other. Great stuff. Thank you, doctor. That's really true. And then what what you're modeling to the kids because then they become themselves cynical. Wow. Okay. Well, to Brooks, in your talks, I know that you say that bullying goes back, like way back, years back. We just never define it as bullying. Can you talk to us more about that? Yes. Uh, you know, the Spanish language has no word for bully. The closest that I know of, you guys would maybe know better, is mata or street thug or street killer or intimidator. It's a confusing word. I prefer not to use it, although it's a word that we have to use because culture uses it. But if you dig back into the original inception of the word in 1560, it's a Middle Dutch term, it means loved one. So if I wanted to say, I love you, I would say, I bully you. Hmm. And in the 1900s in America, it meant good. So we would say, bully for you, good for you. The President Teddy Roosevelt called the White House a bully pulpit, the greatest platform in the world to do the most good. So over time, words change, and no word that I know of has changed more than the word bully. Once it meant loved one, and now it means enemy. But I find that ironic that the modern bullying problem has a very simple solution, and it's in the origins of its term, love your enemy. And that's what I teach. I say, look, the academic literature is saying that they're trying to have power over you. That's what they say. In fact, there's three criteria, imbalance of power, intent to do harm, and repeated over time. Now, those are each problematic in and of themselves, but for the most part, everyone would say when someone's bullying you, they're having power over you, which means you don't have power to stop them. And that's the only thing that makes a bully is if there's a victim present. So in the skit that we just listened to, there was a guy who did not have a very good sense of humor. He could not be self-deprecating. He, he knows he has a flaw. He's super insecure about his flaw. And that is a hairline trigger that makes him easily upset. So he would say, I'm a victim. Well, therefore, he feels bullied. But let's just say he could uh, reply tit for tat. And like the urban kids who do yo mama jokes, they have a blast with it. That Why isn't that not bullying? Well, the only reason why the skit was quote unquote bullying is because someone felt like a victim. So the solution is not to get rid of the bully, but to empower the victim. If bullying is a study of dominance or an imbalance of power, then the solution is empower the one that feels like a victim so he no longer suffers. Great stuff. You also teach students two basic principles. Can you talk about those and also how they apply to adult bullying? For example, number one, 
don't get upset, and number two, treat them like a friend. Can you expand a little bit more on this? Sure. So if I'm going to say love your enemies, which is another way of saying the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. I didn't want to be treated like a friend or an enemy, and everyone says friend. Okay, well then treat them like a friend. But in order to really get someone to treat their enemy like a friend, which is what the golden rule actually means, treat your enemies like friends, you have to be emotionally resilient. You can't possibly genuinely treat an enemy like a friend if you are emotionally disturbed. And so emotional resilience comes before the actual doing, the actual kindness, the response. And the cool thing about emotional resilience is that the, the way that we build emotional resilience in people is by educating them of what is going on. So in this case, it's humor. You know, there's four reasons why people are mean to you. Number one, they're trying to be funny and you can't take a joke. Number two, they're upset with you because they feel like you're the bully. And so you probably just need to apologize and say, why are you mad at me? The third is they're mad at somebody else and taking it out on you, like a dad who has a hard day at work, but he comes home and kicks the dog. The dog was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. So you need to realize it's not personal. And then the fourth reason why someone might be mean to you is because they're trying to have power over you and they want to dominate you. And so they're, they're just making fun of you and trying to hurt your feelings. So each four scenarios of why someone's mean has their own lessons. And for the humor one, it's dude. You're not perfect. You have flaws. And if you want to be an emotionally healthy person, you need to learn to take a joke about yourself and make a joke about yourself and not getting so easily upset. That's called a poor sport. And all humor is insulting. Not a single compliment on the planet is funny. The only thing that is funny is are insults. Hmm. And someone has to be the butt of the joke. And so if you want to be happy in life, learn to laugh with yourself. So I would work with that kid on his or that adult on their humor. Very interesting. A very interesting point. What do you think, Dr. Laos? Yeah, I mean, I think in order to do that, you have to be very self-aware of what those weaknesses are. And other people can point them out better than you yourself in terms of recognizing them. I mean, maybe you do have a raw spot, but maybe you're not as easily perceptive of how that is. And other people pick up on it, and then it's easier for them to pick on you for it. So I think it does require, um, one, the ability to have some self-awareness, and then two, the ability to reinterpret the situation so you don't take it to heart, you don't take it personally. And so that does take a little bit of maturity and a little bit of catching yourself when you're doing that self-injury and saying, okay, well, um, let me not take this so personally, mm -hmm. so it takes a little bit of stopping in your tracks and reevaluating the situation or reconsidering a different take on it so you don't take that victim pity role. Great points. Well, uh, we're going to go into our next skit, and this is called The Real Bully. Let's take a listen. Patricia, can you get that? I'm doing my squats. Patricia! I'm getting it. Hello? Oh, hi, Mrs. Enningham. Um, she's not here. Who is it? Oh, that? <laughs> that was someone else. Give me the phone. Stay put. <sighs> Hello? Oh, Miss Enningham. What's going on? I see. Well, did the other girl provoke her in any other way? <sighs> Say no more. I'll be sure to talk to her about that. Yeah, if there's any more problems, don't hesitate to call. Bye. Mom. Save it. You stuck gum in some poor girl's hair? 
You're a bully. I mean, it was funny. The other kids laughed. Oh, so you're not a bully. You're a comedian. Well, the girl told her mom about you putting gum in her hair, and now I bet I have to pay for some haircut. You shouldn't have to do that. No, I have to. Otherwise, the other moms are going to be all judgy. It was funny. She's just being a baby. Oh, well, I'm happy to know that you've got a bright future with your yuck yucks. I was just playing around, okay? I'm not sure what you think you're supposed to be doing at school, but it's not playing around. It was lunch. It's my free time. (sighs) Look, I know it's challenging for you, but you are supposed to be getting along with people, making friends, not enemies, not putting your gum in some girl's hair. God, I mean, I can't even believe she'd, like, tattle on me. Well, who is this girl? Is she mean to... She's, like, creepy and quiet and always is writing in her notebook. She looked at me and wrote something in it, and it creeped me out. So I told her if she loved me so much, here's a keepsake. And you stuck gum in her hair. Yeah, her big, stupid hair with bangs. We're not talking about haircuts unless we want to discuss whatever that rat's nest is that you've got going on there. Look, you are already awkward enough. People are going to think you're mean if you keep acting like a bully. Then no one will want to hang out with you on weekends, so I won't get my alone time. I don't want another phone call like this. Okay, fine. It makes you look like a damn fool. And it makes me look even worse for raising you. Okay, God, can I go now? I'm not hearing you say you're sorry. I'm not sorry. You better apologize or I'll take your TV away. Good luck. It's nailed to the wall. So help me. I will rip it out of the wall and there will be a big old hole that you'll be staring at all day. Fine. I'm sorry, okay? Oh, yeah. That sounds so sincere. No more calls like this. All right, go to your room. I need to finish my squats. Well, I'm buying her mints from now on. Wow, well, that was Katrina in her 30s and her daughter, Patricia, who's only 13. Now, the school called to notify her that Patricia was bullying a girl in school. But then I think we could all see where this bullying was stemming from. What's going on here, doctor? You saw the mom being really angry, and then what was feeling the angry was not so much that the... I don't even know that it was the daughter being bullied, but the image that it was being played out of her as a mother. So it was more about the reflection of her as a mom. So Mm -hmm. that was what was fueling the anger, like, oh... You know, I got to go pay the haircut because now, you know, what is everybody going to say? And it was about the image. And so that was what was fueling the anger. And then um, it did feel more like, I don't know, sibling fight than a mom and trying to talk to her daughter about the situation. And so that was also pretty troubling. So, I mean, it was just like obvious, like you said, the daughter is playing out what she's living at home. Mm -hmm. That, That would be a case. She's being bullied by her mom. And then she's bullying somebody else or she's just being reprimanded by her mom, but also insulted because did you hear that part where she said it's I know it's challenging for you, but you have to make friends or something like that. Yeah, just just nasty, Mm -hmm. you know, just being nasty and poor mm -hmm. kid. Mm -hmm. Now, Brooks, I'd like to ask you, how can we raise our children so they don't become a bully? Well, we really don't have a bullying problem. This is the big illusion of the last 18 years that I've been working in this field. I'm from Littleton, Colorado, where the Columbine shooting happened. My friends went to that school. Oh, wow. And so that that was the the birthplace of the anti-bullying movement. Mm -hmm. And the anti-bullying movement was birthed to solve one problem, and that's to help victims. Because Eric Harrison, Dylan Klebold, They turned guns on their perceived enemies with a desire to retaliate 
because they felt victimized by their enemies in the whole world. But they also turned guns on themselves. And so in that one event at Columbine, there was a homicide and a suicide. And both are committed by people who feel like victims. In fact, the worst acts of violence are committed by those who feel like victims. Yet we are obsessed with bullies. I don't know why we're obsessed with bullies other than we have taken a legal approach to stop meanness because we think the mean provocation, who we consider a bully, those mean provocators are the reason for the victimization. But little do we ever think that the victim contributes to their own suffering. And so in the scenario we just played, we have a tangled ball of victimization. The girl who has gum in her hair and feels victimized and is going a legal approach, contacting the authorities at the school to discipline the, uh, the person who put the gum in the hair. The person who put the gum in their hair is angry because she was just trying to joke around. She feels victimized and she's upset and certainly wouldn't want to apologize genuinely. And of course, the mom feels victimized because this is ruining her reputation and, and taking money out of her own tight budget. We don't have a bully problem. We have a victim problem. And when you victim-proof students, you bully-proof school. That's why I am bully-focused on curing the victimization mentality in children. Well... With that being said, how would we change or how, yeah, how would we change that behavior? Well, I think what we can do is address the victimization. So for the kid who has the gum in her hair, of course, that's a joke gone bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, ask her, how would you like to be treated using the golden rule? If you put gum in somebody's hair, would you like them to call the authorities to punish you? Or would you like for them to talk to you directly and say, hey, that really messed it up. That really messed me up. So so let's respond to our perceived provocator or antagonizer or our bully in a way that we would like to be responded to. Say, hey, not with guns ablazing, not going legal, but simply saying that really messed up my hair. For the girl, I would say, well, and apologize, a sincere apology. Well, I'm not sorry. She's a freaking weirdo and she was drawing pictures that creeped me out. So I just threw, okay, I get it, I get it. But you don't have to be sorry per se for um, the thing that you did. I can't make you sorry. I can't give you empathy. But it sure will go a long way that you're sorry that she's upset. Can you at least give me that? Can we actually demonstrate, hey, I'm sorry that this became a problem. I, I was just playing around. I didn't actually want you to get hurt. And for the mom, the same thing. You say, well, this is a great teaching opportunity for you to demonstrate to your child what's really going on. And yelling at your child will only make her feel like a victim and definitely drive a wedge between you. So I would really just imply the golden rule, put yourself in the other person's shoes. How would you like to be approached? Interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'd also like to share a quick fact. They say that uh, one in four teachers see nothing wrong with bullying and will only intervene 4% of the time. Obviously, that's very alarming mm -hmm. stat. Dr. Alicia, what message or, or what could you say to teachers that go down this route? They might be ignoring it because they're so busy and overwhelmed with, with the workload that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be different reasons why they're ignoring it. But just going back to those commented, I think the idea of the victimhood is also called like internal locus of control in psychologists. And it's basically the idea that I'm responsible for the things in my life. And so I need to take ownership. And when I take ownership, then I'm able to own the problem, whatever that problem may be, and then solve it. And so the victimhood mentality says the problem is not mine. It's external. You have to fix it. You know, whatever it mm -hmm. is, somebody else has to fix the problem. And that does create a lot of problems in our society. One of them is that we're not really empowering our children 
to be able to make decisions and solve issues later on. And so a twist in it and a different takeaway for a parent to do and how do we solve that situation is instead of doing the blaming game and getting Mm -hmm. nasty like we saw in the skit, it's being able to coach them through how do you think that experience Let's break the situation down, what you did, and how did that situation impact the other? And then when was a time that you felt bullied? And then let's break that down. And so we bring about a sense of empathy and, and help our kids understand the experience of the other. We can do that through movies. We can do that through stories. It's stories is a great way. Art, theater is a great way to bring about empathy and, and that awareness of the other's experience. And that's something that's pretty important. And teachers and educators and mentors and, you know, all of us that are surrounding our kids are not really helping our kids if we're not creating opportunities for them to have a greater internal sense of control. Yes. Own their problems. And we don't solve it for them, but we help them recognize what the problem and we create a help them create a pathway for solving it instead of, you know, just let taking me, over, just yeah. taking over. Let mm-hmm. me call the mom. Let me fix this problem because I don't want it to look bad on my image. Right. Yes. So I'm going to fix it for for you when we fix the problems for our kids and we don't um, help them understand that the consequences and then help them solve it and move forward. Then we are perpetuating that victimhood mentality and we're not helping them create a sense that internal sense of control. Definitely. And then they will be affected. The people that are around them will be affected in their adulthood. Wow. It all trickles down. (laughs) Okay, great stuff. Let's listen to our last scenario. This is called Don't Mess with Steven. Hey, nerd, what's on your shirt? Gary the Good. What was that, nerd? Gary the Good? He's a wizard. He's a what? He's a wizard. He can conjure things and cast spells and change into animals. (laughs) What are you, a baby? Do you actually believe in a wizard called Jerry the Good? It's Gary the Good. <laughs> Whoa! What, what happened? <laughs> Gary the Good? Is, is that you? Steven, hello, yes, it is I, Gary the Good. Where'd you come from? Why, from your shirt of tea, of course. My shirt of tea... My t-shirt. A strange robe for a wizard, I'll admit, but there was some magic in it still. Did you stop time? Yes, of course. Why? You called for me, did you not? Chanted my name three times? I guess, but only because that bully was making fun of you. This bully here? Yeah. His name is Murphy. He's made fun of me ever since I moved here at the beginning of the year. That's not good. And I would know, for I am... Gary the Good. Yeah, well, there's nothing I can do about it. On the contrary, Stephen. There's everything you can do about it. You have all of my powers at your disposal. Wait, really? You'll help me handle Murphy? Anything for a fellow wizard. Okay, uh, where do I start? Can you make me bigger? Of course. Awesome. Now, can you make me super strong with giant muscles? Here you go. Whoa! Now, on freeze time, I'm going to pound Murphy so bad. Coming right up. Oh, but wait. That's not good, and I would know. What are you talking about, Gary? You've heard how he talks to me. He has it coming. Perhaps, but when the bullied bullies the bully, does not the bullied become the bully? I don't understand. 
I said, when the bullied bullies the bully. No, I heard you. It's just, what good are all these powers if I can't do anything with them? True power is doing the right thing, even if it isn't the easy thing. That will always be the good thing. But how do I know what the right thing is? <laughs> oh, you are a wizard, Stephen. Simply look inside yourself and do what feels right. Only good can come of that. I would know, for I am Gary, Gary the, the Good. Girl. Right. Okay, then. Well, can you shrink me back to normal size? With pleasure. And take away my giant muscles. Jobadadoo. And unfreeze time. Of course. Remember, Stephen, if you ever need me again, simply say my name three times. And make sure to wash me in cold water so I don't shrink. But mostly, believe in yourself, Stephen. Believe! Ah, oh, that was so magical. It I was. loved it. <laughs> I have a seven year old, and I was thinking about him when. Me too. <laughs> right? Yeah, about Daniel, too? Yes. Yeah, so. Two very interesting things here. Bullying the bully makes you a bully. And then the lesson that he said at the end, doing the right thing, even if it's not the easy thing, is the best way to go. Yep. Wow, what a lesson. Mm-hmm. Tell us more, Doctor. Well, I mean, the golden rule, right? We were talking mm-hmm. about that. It's just treating others like you would want to be treated yourself. Exactly. And obviously, when someone bullies you, the instinct is to fight back and, you know, maybe be nasty back mm-hmm. and point to, you know, well, you have an ugly nose, too, and, you know, go back and forth <laughs> and do that. Um, that happens in marriages. You get insulted. What do you want to do? You want to go back and insult the other. There's no lack of arsenal that we have in terms of attacking and it is more challenging for us to speak words of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, when you do speak words of grace, that is very powerful and that does bring down the walls. Yes. And you know what? As a matter of fact, that, Brooks, in your video, I saw the How to Stop a Bully, where the girl is insulting you and then you start talking nice to her. Can you tell us more about that? Well, we're all wired for reciprocity, biologically speaking. If you are aggressive towards me, I naturally, without thinking, want to be aggressive to you. And when you're kind to me, I, without thinking, want to be kind back to you. It's embedded in our amygdala, which is our primitive brain. All the animals in the world have essentially uh, the same biological response. So when you're kind to people and you live by the golden rule, you're being kind to your enemy. The law of reciprocity works towards your advantage. So as you're being kind to them, they have a hard time staying mean because they want to be nice to you because they want to reciprocate the attitude that you're projecting. So that's really how the golden rule works. It was the first social skill ever given to humanity. Mm -hmm. It was the first social and emotional learning instruction ever invented. Treat, that's social, others how you want to be treated, that's emotional. And we need to bring it back because it is a soft answer that turns away wrath, or as Dr. Martin Luther King says, you cannot drive out hate with more hate. Mm -hmm. Only love can do that. That's powerful. Yes. Very true. How would you go about when that person that's bullying you, I don't know, triggers physical violence. How should we teach our kids or how could we learn how to handle when the bully is actually being physically violent towards us? You know, the African slaves, the black slaves in America gave us the solution in the most elegant, beautiful child song. Sticks and stones may break my bones, 
but words will never hurt me. It was invented in 1862 by black slaves, first published in 1863, the same year of the Emancipation Proclamation, where the Southern slaves were essentially set free. The Civil War happened. Mm -hmm. The black parent slaves actually said, we got to help our children realize that they're going to grow up free from slavery, but not free from racism. So they need to know the psychological differentiation between physical harm and emotional harm. Physical harm is like a stick or a stone. And I can think all day in my head that stone is not going to hurt, but it will hurt if someone hits me with it. A word is completely different. If I think to myself, I'm not going to let his words hurt me, then no matter what he says, no matter how racist it is, it won't hurt me. That's essentially what we have to teach children. If you are physically in danger when your body or property is about to be assaulted, get upset. That is an enemy. Defend yourself with force if necessary and run to the authorities because what they're doing to you is illegal. However, if they're just provoking, a fighting word, some may call it, and they're trying to provoke you into a fight, your desire will be to punch them. But don't cross that line. Mm -hmm. Words only have power that you give them. And if you go physical, now you're guilty of assault and battery and you will get in trouble because you've broken the law. So if we don't make it very clear to our children that violence is violence and speech is speech and speech is not violence unless it threatens violence, if we don't make that clear, then we're going to grow an emotional marshmallow. By the time they get to college, they're going to be crying speech is violence and they're going to need safety zones in the university and they think the First Amendment was the worst thing ever invented in democracy. But that's wrong. There's a clear definition and we need to help kids make that distinction. Very, very interesting. One last question, doctor, and this is what do we tell bystanders? How, how can kids support other friends if, if they see that their friends are being bullied? What is the role of a bystander? What message can you send? Them? Well, we saw that in the first skit, you know, how powerful it is to be able to speak forth for the other and advocate. And there's so many stories that we've learned that we can go around and, and hear about that, about how it's so powerful to speak up. And so I think that is very valid that we teach our kids when they see the defenseless being prey. Mm -hmm. that and if they're able to speak up for them and stand up with them, that that could be very empowering. That, you know, just sitting there and watching others hurt is just as awful, right, as someone yeah, that's course. hurting the other. And so if not more. And so how important it is for us to be advocates. And that's something that if we teach our kids from early on, I think it spills over to other areas when there's social injustices that we see. They may be more inclined to stand up and do something, right? Yes. than just by stand and walk by. Beautiful. Great. Well, interesting conversation that we had here today. Now, mm -hmm. any closing tips for parents and uh, where can people connect with you, Brooks? You bet. You just want to watch out for victimization. When your child starts to internalize, you want to help them understand that they have power over their own emotions and it's in their thinking. Sure, someone's been aggressive, but if they change their thinking on that aggression, then they won't have the negative consequences of uh, victimization. This is rational motive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Get your kid to a therapist if they're proving to be a, a suffering victim. If they want to go to my program, they can raise them strong. Com. Nice. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you both for being here with us. As Omar said, such a great topic, such a great discussion that we had today. Uh, make sure that you share this podcast with everyone you know. This is The, the Struggle is Real. So uh, get the app on iTunes for other parenting hot topics. And of course, I'm talking about The Struggle is Real app. That's right. You can also get additional resources on the Family Bridges app. So download it. 
And of course, you can connect with us via the hashtag, hashtag The Struggle is Real, or simply hashtag TSIR. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Veronica Avila. And on this side, Omar Ramos. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.